Ahoy! It's your boy! Welcome back to episode 6 of the podcast. This is M, and, um, man, I'm feeling a little under the weather. <clears throat> Not like, I mean, I don't feel too bad mentally, but I just got this, uh, phlegm in my throat, and uh, I think part of it is... I don't know. Maybe maybe I am getting sick, but I also think it's just not sleeping well. <sighs> I work till uh, midnight a lot of nights, and uh, I'm up early for school. And uh, I just, it sounds, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are saying this recently, and I don't know if people are actually saying it more, or maybe I'm just dialed into it because I've been thinking about it myself. But I, I mean, I really think sleep is the probably the most important thing you can do for your health. And uh, if you're not sleeping regularly, it really just throws everything out of whack. And especially as you get older. And uh, I'm not decrepit yet, but I'm 34. I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm def- certainly not a kid anymore. And, um, you know, you already start noticing um, drastic changes to your health and your body and, and what it takes to really stay on top of things. And um, sleep is the most important and, uh, I mean, when you're younger, you can get away with two hours of sleep and go all day, but, um, um, today's Saturday morning and I was up, I worked till midnight last night and the night before, but Thursday night I was working till midnight, had to come home and do a couple hours of homework, went to bed at like three o'clock and had to be up at seven for a quiz in my uh, chemistry class. And I mean, I had to work till midnight that night and only, you know, just running on four hours of sleep is just, it's just impossible. And, uh, I mean, by like 10 o'clock last night, I had this horrible headache. I was antsy. I was frustrated and irritable. And, um, <clears throat> but that's life. That's, that's the struggle, dude. The struggle is real. I fucking hate when people say that. I fucking hate that. I mean, I know, I think, oh, was it the last episode? You know what? I don't. I've been cutting these like promo things for um, out of the previous episodes. Um, so I've just I've I've heard snatches of conversations I've had from previous episodes. Uh, um, I've heard snatches of conversations that I've had from previous episodes, <clears throat> and I don't know when the fuck I say these things. Um, they all sort of feel the same as I record them and when I listen back to them. So um, it's hard for me to know when I said what, but I'm talking about what. Um, dude, <laughs> that's another thing too. When you're tired, your brain does not function. Man, I, I, I literally don't know what I was just talking about. Um, yeah, something about the importance of sleep. I don't know. Um, oh man, dude, and yawning at you. I don't know what it is about talking on this podcast, but I just. Oh, I yawn so much. And dude, what's funny is when I do go back and listen to it, because like I said, I don't, I don't edit these except for sometimes I'll say a name. I don't want, um, I don't want to be public and I'll, I'll cut it out. Um, and I'm just, I mean, I'm just listening to it because I'm trying to evaluate how these are going. But um, every time I yawn or hear myself yawn on the podcast, I yawn. So uh, I'm legit hoping that that happens to you. I legit hope that when I yawn, you yawn. Yeah, dude, I'm doing it again. Dude, are you yawning with me? <sighs> dude, are you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I was just talking about a, a quiz in chemistry class. I know I was talking about I had an upcoming chem test that I thought I was going to ace. 
and uh, I got it back on Thursday, just two days ago. And it was out of 40 points, and I got 35, which uh, if you get out your calculator, you'll see that's an 87%. And dude, I'm yawning a third time. You what? Dude, it's just like inappropriate after a certain point. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, dude, get it together. Have a cup of coffee and then do the podcast, right? So unprofessional. Like, if I really cared, (laughs) maybe I don't. But if I really cared, you'd think I'd get my shit together. And dude, I feel a fourth one coming on. Dude, it's unbelievable. Who yawns this much? Um... So yeah, it was an 87%, and dude, I was gutted. I, I, I felt so stupid, because I was like, dude, I really, you know, I was walking around the last week thinking, you know what, I really think I aced it. I really think I got an A. I, dude, I even was like, dude, you may have gotten 100%, plus extra credit, oh my god, dude, you may have gotten like 104%, and to get it back and get it 35, 35 out of 40, 87%, I was kind of gutted, but... The only reason that's interesting is because I never do this. And, dude, another freaking yawn, dude. Oh, deal with it. Um, well, I never do this, but I counted up the points. You know, I was like, oh, that, oh this just feels, this doesn't feel right. I got to check it out. I literally counted up the points and realized he shorted me one. And I went up to the teacher and I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I just counted up my points. I think he shorted me one. And he was like, oh, I, I, I guess I did. So that makes it 36 out of 40. And if you want to do the math real quick, you'll realize that's a 90% and your boy did get an A on the test. Just barely. 90% A. Man, I'm going to make my girlfriend buy me ice cream. <clears throat> I, think she's, I think she offered. I think she said, uh, if you get an A, I'll buy you ice cream. So I'll have to take her up on that offer today. And dude, I'm not even going to count him anymore, man. I mean, you're natural. That's just what it's going to be, and you're going to have to just fucking deal with it. That's just what we do. Actually, you know what? I do remember years ago when I was doing the music podcast, this podcast called Shut Up Songwriters. Um, There was a girl, a uh, songwriter who was on, I, th- I think her name is Lindsay Page. Lindsay Page Garfield, I think is her name. She was formerly of the band Or The Whale, which is kind of funny because before I even lived out here in the Bay Area, I was just out here visiting and my friend took me, she was like, she was like a, a fan of this band, this local band called Or The Whale and took me to see them at the Starry Plow, which is crazy. I mean, I, it's, it's just funny to look back and think of these places that I went to that meant nothing to me that would eventually become like really important places. To me, and I know I mentioned the Starry Plow in one of the recent podcasts um, in Berkeley, <clears throat> but I saw them play at uh, the Starry Plow, and then like we went to, we actually saw them play at Amoeba Records in San Francisco. Um, they do like in-store performances, and so we saw them there too. But um, little did I know that when I moved out here years later, I would have this girl on my podcast. But um, when I was doing that podcast, and dude, it's just going to keep coming. <sighs> When I did that podcast, I would yawn. I, I noticed myself yawning like before the conversations. And she was the first person to say, oh, actually, that's your sympathetic nervous system like calming you down. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I guess like when you're nervous or um, you have some sort of adrenaline going through your system for whatever reason, and I, it's funny as I'm saying that I'm trying to calm myself down, but you know, I think anytime you have that, your body, and it's doing it now, 
<sighs> you're yawning to literally calm yourself down. And dude, I feel it before shows. Like before I step on stage, I yawn a few times. And uh, I think there's something to that. It doesn't necessarily mean you're tired. It actually could mean that you're amped up, which is sort of counterintuitive. But, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Just to put a pin in that point about uh, my test, though. Yeah, I never do that. I never, uh, I never count up the score. I never count up the points. And uh, I'm glad I did, because that stuff can make a difference, you know? When it comes time to transfer to a, to a four-year university, I mean, your boy wants to have straight A's. And your boy knows he can get straight A's. And that stuff's going to make a difference. You know, I'm not saying 87 would have been the end of the world. But if I'm trying to get in that good, good school, you know, straight A's are kind of what I need. So, um, yeah, I feel, I don't know if that, I don't know what I have to say about it, but I, I, I kind of feel, I was kind of nervous starting to record today because I didn't know what I was going to talk about as per usual. But I also felt the need to say something about um, the last kind of two episodes. I guess I feel kind of strange because I was noting that episode four, uh, pristine sneaker life, which is, uh, I, I'm really, I really like where that episode ended up. I like the ending of that episode. You know, that was really exciting for me. And I felt, uh, man, I, I, I hope there's more moments like that on the podcast. And then the last one, when I was recording it, I really was struggling with it as I was doing it. Um, but also it ended in a kind of, I don't know, um, emotional, vulnerable, for lack of a better word. But um, for me, it was kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say it was emotional. I wasn't like getting emotional. Um, And it's not vulnerable. Like, I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure if people will relate to that story. But it was, um, it was just, it it was like a quality, it was was a quality of conversation I just wasn't anticipating having or... um, sharing on the podcast and um you know i don't know if it's a good thing i don't know if if people don't want to hear that stuff but um i guess i just felt yeah i felt strange sitting down to record one because i don't know if what i'm going to say is funny and i don't know if what i'm going to say is uh vulnerable or whatever you want to call that and um and yeah, so I feel kind of, I don't know, maybe intimidated is the word. Um, I mean, I literally sat down and I wanted to, you know what it was? I was literally just walked to the corner store to get some drink. And um, and uh, I saw this dude and I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, oh man, that's so great. I got to like talk about that on the podcast. And there's really nothing to talk about. But I was standing at the, at the light and your boy runs. You know your boy runs, dude. I told you. I ran eight miles this week. And then yesterday I ran 5.2 miles. So my goal now is as I'm prepping for this half marathon, I'm not, not in one stretch, but I'm going to run the, at least the equivalent of a half marathon every week. And so... uh um, so I ran 13.2 miles this week, which is just over, but, um, but you know, your boy runs and what, what trips me up and I, I just don't understand it. Um, when I see people who are stopped at a light and they're running in place, that makes no freaking sense to me. It, it doesn't absolutely nothing for you. First of all, where I run, there's no lights. I run on these side streets and sometimes I have to stop. If I hit a street with some heavier cross traffic, sometimes you have to stop. But more often than not, you know, traffic sees you relatively quickly and they let you cross. So you may get 
10 seconds of a pause. That's fine. And if what you're doing is trying to work out, it's actually better for you if your heart rate rests a little bit and then you have to get it back up. But these people who run in place, I don't know what they're going for. And this dude, I literally just saw him standing on the corner. Young guy, don't want to be too hard on him, but he was running in place and literally he was kicking his knees up to his chest. I don't know how to describe it. I'm confident you know what I'm talking about. He's literally standing in place, kicking his knees up to his chest like a fucking dance hall DJ. Do you know that move? I, I used to see this on stage all the time when you would see dance hall reggae artists like Sizzla or Capleton. They would do this running man thing where they're literally kicking their knees up into their chest. It actually looks kind of badass. But this dude looked like a comedic uh, cracker ass runner version of that. And I'm like, what I can't fucking stand, oh my God, what I can't stand is people who are pulling focus and they're acting like nothing strange is going on. The fucking worst to me, dude, people who bike with their arms folded in front of their fucking shit. First, first of all, dude, if you're biking without your hands on the handlebars, fuck you. Dude, not only do you look like a dipshit, you're fucking concerning me, dude. You're freaking traffic out around you because I know you think you look cool. But dude, if anything fucking spooky happens, if anything jumps out, you're going to fucking you're going to fucking freak out and fall. And especially if you're biking around traffic, you think I want to be the guy who you fall in front of and then I accidentally fucking, my wheels go over you? You just fucking go under my truck and I fucking crush your chest? Um, but the worst part is when, you know, they'll, they'll bike with their arms just sort of dangling at their sides. Or they'll fucking do the worst, and I shit you fucking not, dude, this is such a Berkeley thing. I see people all the time biking with their arms folded on their fucking chest. And I'm like, what are you doing? Dude, do you know how silly you look? And dude, the worst. This dude, he might... I saw a fucking dude reading a book while he was biking. Oh, well, I should really say pretending to read a book. Because there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way you can be biking and reading at the same time. And I fucking see this other dude who does it in my neighborhood too. He walks and reads at the same time. And I just fucking know in my gut, if I just stopped him and say, repeat the last sentence you just read, he wouldn't be able to. Because there's so much other sensory information coming in around you, you can't focus on the text that you're reading. It's just, it's all performative. What is wrong with people? And how do they, what, what, what I can't understand is, I see you doing something to try to get, um, maybe reaction is the wrong word, but you want me to experience you a certain way. And what you're doing is actually making me think the opposite of what you want me to think. Like the dude, like some dude will just be fucking riding around on a unicycle. Do you think I'm really like, oh wow, that's really cool. That guy rides a unicycle. Or do I think, wow, what a dipshit. Get a real bike. Or the people who ride the fucking bikes that are so tall, they basically have to fucking climb a light, uh, uh, a light, um, yeah, awesome. I mean, I wish I could speak, but they ha- literally have to climb a light pole to fucking get on their bike or something. It's like, dude, how do you get on or off that thing? And it's like, dude, how hard are you trying? How hard do you have to try? It, it, dude, it just, it screams insecurity. It's like the dudes, there's this quality of dude. I think you know what I'm talking about. They're like lonely old men. And I don't just mean like, oh, poor lonely old men. Like creepy maladjusted, 
you know, kind of disturbed men who like walk around with like a ferret on their shoulder. And they walk around in public, like waiting for people to address the fact that they have a fucking ferret or a parrot or a possum on their fucking shoulder. Like, I fucking saw this dude biking around with a cat on his shoulder. (laughs) I saw a dude biking around with a fucking cat on his shoulder. And it's like, dude, you are coming across as profoundly fucking strange and creepy. It's like, how hard do you have to try to get people to turn their head to look at you? Develop or like, have a personality. How about that? How about instead of having a shtick, have a personality? Dude, it goes back to what I'm talking about. People who like have to go to Hot Topic and buy their, buy their outfit. Dude, I'm talking about the dad sneaker life, dude. I want to tell these people, dude, what you want to be like, what's that rap song? It's like a real thug is the thug that's hush. Dude, that's, dude, that's the truth. Like, real martial arts is knowing you can kick the shit out of anyone and not doing it. Like, there's something in, like, the samurai code or the fucking whatever code. Like, you run away. <laughs> like, the real warrior runs away and lives to fight another day. And it's like, dude, that's such a, that's such a counterintuitive, interesting thing. Because, like... Like, it's like people who do MMA or whatever, and they just, like, want to get in fights all the time because they want to kick ass. Dude, no, dude, the real gangster shit is knowing you can kick anyone ass, anyone's ass and, like, running away from fights. <clears throat> That's the real gangster shit. Dude, it's like when you were at junior college and there's some dude playing a fucking acoustic guitar in the foyer, and that dude sucks ass, by the way. But the real gangster shit is not walking up and saying, oh, hey, man, let me, let me fucking rip a tune and then fucking being incredible. It's not doing it. It's knowing that you're fucking a million times better than that dude and not saying shit. Just walking by and going about your life. It's not about walking around with a monocle and fucking, you know, counting your money in public and, and just fucking throwing it around and being rich, dude. It's about having a million dollars in the bank and just being chill and being cool. Like, I think about this all the time, like, it's so sad to me when we discover that people who are affluent and successful are fucking um, evil. (laughs) It's like, they want power, you want success, and then you, I don't know, like, it's like, you could live forever if you were beneficent. If you were not only rich and wildly successful, dude, you would be a fucking philosopher king if you were fucking beneficent, if you were a good person, if you earned all the money in the world and then gave it away, that's real power. And you would be celebrated for it. Like everybody wants to be a fucking evil tyrant and they think that's power. Like everyone wants to be Scarface. Everyone wants to be a fucking flame and just burns out. It's like, oh, you want to live forever? Oh, what a squandered opportunity, man. You have success, money, and power and you're squandering it by like, ordering call girls and doing cocaine in a fucking Las Vegas hotel room or gambling in a way. Like I saw this, um, I think it's the same dude who did like the Scientology documentary or I don't know. I'm just a stupid American. I think he's like a broadcast. Actually, he may do the daily show as well, but, um, he just does little featurettes for like BBC or some shit. And he did this one on addiction to gambling. Um, 
and he spent some time with different um, compulsive gamblers in Las Vegas. And two of them are like these regular dudes who like are clearly like some co-dependent gambling addicts who just go to Vegas and they're both just fucking going crazy, losing all their money, like destroying their lives together. And it's like, I don't know how they have the money to do this or where they find the money to do this. They're probably like mortgaging their homes and all that sort of shit. But the fucking real sad one is this super rich guy who seems to have all the fucking money in the world who flies into Vegas, and I don't know where he's actually at for the show, but let's say he's at, like, fucking Caesar's Palace. And so Caesar's Palace knows that he's, like, a super high roller. So they, like, have a deal with him, which is, like, if you play this much money, like, we're going to put you up in this super sweet... It's like a fucking... um you know, it's just the biggest, it, it, it's like, it would be like the biggest plushest apartment you've ever seen in your life. He basically gets this like super deluxe suite. Everything he wants is taken care of, food, drinks, whatever. And uh, he plays these like private tables just for him. And he is literally at one point when he's talking to the dude, he's just sitting there with like two stacks of $100 bills in his hands. And he's just sitting in front of like four slot machines, putting in $100 at, the to- at a time and just pulling the fucking lever. And getting free drinks. And it's like it's like something out of a fucking cartoon. And you look at that and you just think, wow, what a squandered opportunity. And, and it has nothing to do with like, oh, that money could have gone to something important. Um, you know, or other people would have killed for that. Like that it, it's not like the money itself that bothers me. It's that fucking dude's life. Like it seems so... I don't know, isolated and lonely and sad. Like, I'm not saying it's a squandered opportunity for the other people in the world who could have used that money. I mean, I recognize that. But I think the tragedy, like the missed opportunity is for him. What an opportunity for you that you're squandering. And, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to demonize the dude for it. Like, you know, uh, gambling is an addiction. You know, and it's like substance abuse. I, you know, I, I don't think people who have it are in control. But um, it's just very sad. This is very sad. <sighs> As I'm sitting here in silence, I'm wondering... If anyone listening is like, oh shit, did my fucking shit break? <laughs> How many people checked their phone or their, looked up from their computer and said, oh, did something turn off? Yeah, my brain did. <clears throat> my brain fucking shut off. <clears throat> dude, I drink like, dude, I drink like, a du- like I drink 12 glasses of water a day. It's insane. Not small ones either, like big ones. Like, when I go to work, I'm there for, like, eight eight hours. Dude, I drink, like, eight tall-ass glasses of water, dude. All I do is pee, like, every hour. <sighs> Same here, dude. I just drink water all the goddamn time. Although, and a lot of people say that water is good for you. I mean, I, I'm sure it's fine for you, but I don't, I don't think we need half as much water as people drink. Um, and it's actually kind of funny. It came up at work. I forget what this guy at work called it, but, you know, over-hydrating. Um... Hydrophina, hydra, hydrophenia, hydrophilia. I don't fucking know. Hydrophilia is that sexual? <laughs> Isn't philia like something with sexuality? But anyway, 
um, hydropenic. Maybe that's what it is. Hydropenia. I don't fucking know. Um, but yeah, dude, it's crazy. Have you guys heard that story about, um, I mean, the one that I always think about is that hold your Wii for a Wii, that radio stunt where when the, when the Nintendo Wii came out, there was this radio station that had people drink a bunch of water um, and basically hold their Wii, their Wii Wii. How fucking juvenile. Hold their Wii Wii for a Nintendo Wii. And uh, a poor woman died. And apparently someone had even called in during the radio and show, during the radio show, a nurse or something like that, and said, you know, what you guys are doing are really, it's really dangerous. And they were kind of joking around, like, oh, these people signed release waivers, they're fine. And, and I guess they had someone there supervising them. But yeah, dude, a, a mother died holding her Wii to get her kids this goddamn Nintendo Wii and she ended up dying. I don't know what happened with that. That's one of those stories that there's, you know there's going to be like a Netflix documentary about it in like, uh, in like four years. Like, the story of the woman burning her, like, she basically spilled hot McDonald's coffee in her lap and sued McDonald's. That was, and they made this documentary about it, because that story was the anecdote for people who were overly litigious. You know, like, now everyone is, now everyone uh, is against, or a lot of people are against PC culture. Um, And so you hear it all the time, oh, this PC, blah, blah, blah. You know, in the 90s, it was people were overly litigious. Everyone was suing everybody for whatever. Everybody was out to get a quick buck, and everybody um, would sue just because they don't want to work or some shit like that. And that was like the story, the example of somebody, well, she shouldn't have fucking spilled coffee on herself. Of course, they do the documentary, and you realize this woman was fucking mutilated. It wasn't just generic hot coffee. She's, like the, the, the coffee was fucking ridiculously hot, she spilled it on her lap and they actually show you images of like the burns. It was fucking insane. And you go, Oh shit. I fucking just heard that. Like I was seeing that story through a fucking keyhole. I had no fucking idea. The actual specifics of what was taking place. And that poor person who tried to advocate for themselves and stand up for themselves and probably get some money, but who was truly injured (laughs) was demonized by the public. I don't know. That seems to be the rage now. We visit these popular sto- or these stories from popular culture that we think we understand, and we look at them for what they really are, and really show that oh, actually, the truth was the opposite. The way the public at large had um, perceived that event, or uh, how that event had was sort of cal- this, how that story calcified in the minds of the general public. The truth was actually the opposite of that. That's that. Dude, that's all the rage right now. Or like revisiting sort of otherwise unobserved people and like making heroes out of them. Like Mr. Rogers. Bill Murray. And dude, people are so fucking... Like, my favorite is when people, you know, everybody pretends the whole time. Like once someone gets sort of uh, deified, everybody just hops on the fucking bandwagon. Like everybody is fucking on Bill Murray's nuts right now. Everybody fucking loves Bill Murray. It's like really name three of his movies. And I, dude, and I like Bill Murray. I, I, I like Bill Murray, but I'm not going to pretend like he's the fucking, like he's some spiritual guru. I've, dude, I fucking deeply respect him. 
I liked the fact that he's not one of, like he's uh I mean he's a little bit different than Jodie Foster but he's like one of these people who you just don't fucking hear from and he seems he seems to be the type of person who's able to you know he tries to eschew the typical sort of Hollywood lifestyle <clears throat> But I also know a lot of times these people that we sort of deify and look at as like eccentric geniuses do have a dark side also. I mean, for all we know, Bill Murray has a fucking sex dungeon in his house. <clears throat> you know, he's, I'm sure he's not a perfect guy. I mean, he hasn't been me too'd yet or anything, but I'm just saying you don't fucking know. I will say that, you know, deifying Mr. Rogers is such a fucking, my seventh grade English teacher, Miss Pickerel, she fucking loved Mr. Rogers. Dude, it's so her to love Mr. Rogers. Dude, do you know the movie Life is Beautiful? Dude, when that movie came out, she was in love with the actor. What's his name? Buongiorno Principessa. That's like the fucking line from the movie that stands out to me. Buongiorno Principessa. Dude, that is a fucking great movie, though. But Gio- is it Giovanna Ribisi? No, that's like, fun. that's somebody else. Hold on, I gotta look it up. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. Vita Idella. Buongiorno Principessa. Roberto Benini. I said Giovanni Ribisi, dude. Who the fuck is that guy? I don't know. He's like the opposite of this fucking dude. Roberto Benini. La vita è bella. Buongiorno principessa. Dude, his name is Guido. Dude, his name... Benini plays Guido Orifice. 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 Weird. Your name is Guido Orifice. Guido... Life is beautiful. La vita è bella. Roberto Vanini. Eat the tortellini. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, she, my, so my English teacher fucking loved that dude because he's, I mean, it, it was so her. Did you ever have that English teacher or that teacher who was just like a fucking through and through good person? Like they were like disgustingly good. They were just super sweet, super kind. Definitely cried at Schindler's List. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know who I'm talking about when I the type of person I'm talking about when she when I tell you she fucking loved Roberto Benini? That was like her ideal person. This just sort of uh, I don't know warm, cheery person who thought the best of everybody. You know she's fucking wringing her hands over fucking Donald Trump right now. Can't understand the state of the world. She was also super Christian. I remember one time we took a school field trip to the uh, Desert Museum in Tucson. Why the fuck we went there? I have no goddamn idea. It's like, yo, we live in Tucson. It's like going to the zoo. It's like going to the local zoo. You're like, why are we... Why why the fuck are we going to the zoo? Like, we've all fucking been to the zoo. Why are we taking time out of class to go to the goddamn zoo? What, like, how did this idea come up? But they're like ferrying us to the zoo in these fucking school vans. And, um, and, uh, I hope I'm getting her name right. But anyway, Miss Pickle, she fucking like was reading the Bible as she was driving. 
She was reading the Bible while she was driving. Dude. <laughs> What the fuck? Dude, that's crazy. Dude, you know, if, dude, if that happened now, all the students would film it and put it online and she'd be fucking fired. She, well, first of all, she'd be fucking, scar- she, she'd be fucking crucified and then fired. Or she'd be fired and then crucified. Dude, all I'm saying is she'd be fucking excoriated. But back then, dude, we just sat in the car and we're like, oh, Jesus. Well, can't say shit. Fucking, she's, dude, she let Jesus take the wheel for, for real, though. God damn. Miss Pickerel fucking reading the Bible while she's driving us on this cold field trip. I do remember, though, she was like really endeared to me because I loved English, right? I loved reading. I was, and I'll be honest, your boy was a bright student. And um, I remember, I forget what, what project it was for, but I, and I played the drums at the time. And I had these like congas, these hand drums, right? You know, the congas, the fucking Latin drums. I had a pair of those. And I forget what I did, but I like wrote this poem and I like fucking, it was like for like a book report or some shit. It was so stupid. I thought about it for like five minutes. Um, but I was like, oh, I'm going to do this book report and I'm going to recite this poem and I'm going to fucking play the hand drums at the same time. And I remember she was so excited. She was like, oh, I, I can't wait to see your project. And I remember, I remember being up there and doing my thing and doing it was fucking garbage. And it was the first time in my life that I totally realized, oh, this person is like is sort of trying to it certainly didn't like what the fuck i did but was trying to be nice about it she had that look where she literally went oh okay well there you go and in that moment i knew like oh that didn't go well oh that didn't go well oh oh okay well there oh okay I, I don't know what I don't know why that means something to me, but I, I just picture her going, "Oh, this is not good at all." I was excited for this, and this is not good at all. I don't know what I got. How do you grade that? How do you grade somebody who just is kind of shitty? <clears throat> Playing the fucking hand drums. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about this talent show that we did twice. There was twice in my life I played a talent show. One time was with my brother. But, well, both times I was playing the drums, which is weird. But, um, I mean, weird because it's, you know, I don't, I don't think people think of me as a drummer. You know what I'm saying? But it was a big part of my adolescence. Um, but my brother played guitar and I played the fucking drums and we played this fucking like kind of rock song, like nirvana e Nirvana-ish rock song that he and I wrote together. Dude, I'd be fucking... I'd, dude, I'd, I'd be fucking mental if there was, like, recording of it anywhere. But I remember... Um, I think we kind of fucking did really good. I think it was a good song. And uh, I forget, me and my brother just, like, practiced and played. Dude, it's fucking crazy. It's the only time me and my brother have ever collaborated on something creatively. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why we didn't do more of that growing up. I, did, cause I think because, like... One, when you're siblings, but also when you're twins. I, I don't know. Maybe you just don't want to... I don't know. Maybe you just want to be different. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, we played this talent show, and I think we did pretty well. And then, like, two years later, I played the talent, so, talent show by myself playing drums. Such a fucking hippie. I remember pl- doing it barefoot. <laughs> Dude, talking about hating people who fucking bike around with their fucking hands off the handlebars. Dude, I think that's why it bothers me. Like, I look back on that, and I fucking think, oh, you fucking barefoot kid. Like, oh, whatever. 
And at the time, you know, I was just being a fucking kid. But I, you know, I know it's because I was. That's that was part of my fucking thing, dude. That was part of the look I was going for. That was part of whatever aesthetic I was trying to cultivate about myself. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I used to go around barefoot all the time. Like, we'd be at a fucking pool hall with my friends at like seventeen, and I'd be walking around barefoot, like a goddamn freak. And of course, if anyone, I mean, do my friends fucking made fun of me? I mean, it's you know, it's not like this was encouraged by anybody. My friends would just go, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And I'd be like, nah, man, it's cool, dude. Like, it's cool, (laughs) you know? But it's like, they knew what I didn't fucking know at the time, which is, that's dumb. One, it's like, it's kind of gross. And then it's also like, dude, you're kind of embarrassing yourself. Like, they, they were looking at me thinking what I'm thinking about the fucking dude who's biking around with his hands off the handlebar. Like, dude, how about you develop a personality instead? Instead of being the fucking barefoot guy... Why don't you just be a fucking different type of a dude? Like, be a good, be a cool guy or be a good guy. Be something else. Like, don't let this be your thing. I know you think you're getting mileage out of it. You actually look kind of stupid. That's how I fucking feel about the people with their hands off the handlebars. <clears throat> or the people running in place. Oh, what are you, tough muttering, dude? You're, are you tough muttering at this red light, dude? Oh, are you fucking going for it? Dude, are you, are you like such an athlete that you can't stop running for five seconds? Or, dude, it's like the people who fucking run... Dude, do you see people running in the worst fucking places ever? Like, I was just in Los Angeles twice this year, and, like, I was fucking near Hollywood Boulevard. Like, near the fucking... Is it where the Brahma's trying to see there? Is that Hollywood Boulevard? I don't fucking know. But it's like... Maybe that sunset. I don't fucking know, man. I'm not Los Angelino. But, dude, people are running in the most fucking crowded places in the world. And they all look great. And I go, dude, how did you develop this physique when you can't run faster than X? Dude, you can't even like get to one mile apart. You're, you're constantly fucking running around people. And the worst part is there's, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Gosh. And they're so frustrated. It's like, dude, run somewhere else. Fucking run somewhere. If what you're really looking is to get your heart rate up and burn calories, go to a fucking track or run on a residential street. But not here. Don't act frustrated when what you, when what you want is people to see you. This is what you want. This is the world that you want. Congratulations. So don't act frustrated. It's like the fucking dude. I'm talking about the hot topic people who like wear the makeup and they have the crazy piercings and they have the crazy hair and they wear the crazy fucking juggalo pants. And if you look at them, they'll look at you like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And you're like, you, dude, congratulations. This is what you wanted. You wanted my attention. Congratulations, you got it. So don't act pissed. So am I saying I'm beyond that? No, I've been there, but it's juvenile. That's what kids do. Dude, that's part of the fucking pristine sneaker life, dude. The dad sneaker life. Dude, you grow out of that shit. You put it away. You pack it up and put it away at some point. So when I see fucking adults biking around with their hands folded across their chest or their arms folded across their chest, I think, hey, when are you going to grow up? I, like, I, I see it when I jog all the time and I just want to go, bah! I just want to like fucking jump out at them and fucking watch them go and have the front tire do that wobbly thing where it goes and then they fall over. And I show up. Should have been poised for that, huh? Guess it would have been nice to have your hands on the handlebars, huh? 
fucking pack it up and put on some pristine sneakers, dude. Dude, funny that I went from being barefoot to fucking wanting pristine sneakers, dude. Dude, if you know someone past... Dude, I don't know. I want to be generous with the age, but dude, if you're past 30 and you're doing that shit, buy that dude a pair of pristine sneakers. Dude, like back in the day, it used to be like getting someone a fountain pen. (laughs) You know, like they got the job at the law firm or they started working at some... They're like an insurance salesman or some shit. They're a fucking car dealer, car salesman or some shit. But like... That like when you retire you get a gold watch. When you fucking get hired you get a fountain pen. That was like the totem of your entry into adulthood. A fucking nice ass Mont Blanc, is that what it is? A Mont Blanc fucking fountain pen. Dude, now it's gonna be a pair of pristine fucking sneakers. You're an adult. Here's a pair of Nikes. Some clean ass white Nikes. Lace them up. <laughs> Oh man, what a fucking, what a fucking shit show. Oh man, what's it going to take for this thing to grow, dude? What's it going to take for me to reach people? I don't want to have guests. I really don't. One of the most frustrating parts about doing a podcast years ago was coordinating with guests and sitting across from people who weren't interesting and pretending like, because when you're starting out, like you can't get great guests. You're just not going to get them. And dude, is it weird? I kind of, I just want this to be my thoughts, you know? Like, I'm trying to, I was watching, what was I watching? It was something with Burt Kreischer. And he was sort of making fun of himself for this, but he was talking about when he started doing a podcast or something like that. I think it was like, he has like this cooking show, right? Where he's like in the kitchen with different comedians and they're fucking cooking together. And I think he was talking with somebody else about his podcast, which I've, I've never watched Burt Kreischer's podcast, but... He apparently he has guests. And when he was starting one out, I guess he was talking to Bill Burr. And I don't listen to Bill Burr. I know my, my brother does. Um, but my sense is that Bill Burr's podcast is just, I was going to say it's just him, but I actually feel like I did see one of his podcasts where he was talking to like a female musician. So maybe he sometimes has guests. But the story that Burt Kreischer was telling that Bill Burr was like, oh man, just do it yourself and just talk. And it's going to be weird at first, but you know, it's going to be awkward but eventually you're going to find your voice. Dude, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I, I, I legitimately don't want guests. I even told myself, I was like, dude, for the first hundred episodes, which is what I've committed to, no guests. Just you talking. And yeah, maybe there's going to be moments that fucking suck. Maybe there's going to be times where it's just, you know, there's fucking dead air or silence or whatever the fuck. But you're fucking figuring it out, dude. And dude, if you don't, if, and I'm, I'm talking to myself now, but it's like, if you can't tolerate the fucking weirdness, you're just never going to get there. It's going to be like anything else. Dude, your fucking boy ran eight miles this week. And I'm not pretending like nobody can do that. I mean, I'm, I'm not pretending like that's some huge accomplishment. But for me, it's like, dude, if you didn't push through the times where it was fucking really uncomfortable to run one mile, you never would have gotten there. And does it mean that you want to go further? Sure. But these are the fucking growing pains, man. And I'm not saying it's the type of accomplishment that you can hang your life on, but if you're ever going to get to the place where you can do this or be good at it, you just got to fucking push through. And who gives a fuck what people think? Who am I doing this for? If I'm being honest, I'm doing it all for me. 
Would I like people to listen? Yes. Do I want people to be entertained? Absolutely. But what I'm sick and tired of fucking doing, especially creatively, is thinking about what people want. Because there's no guarantee that people are going to fucking like it anyway. Even if I try to, um, you know, as I'm putting the show together, I'm thinking, oh, this thing needs a concept. I need some sort of hook to pull people in. Oh, you need guests. People are going to get tired of listening to you. I'm not interested in any of that shit. It's like, what do I want to do? I want to sit down and talk and be entertaining. Like, I'm not a stand-up comedian. But dude, it's just like singing. Dude, if I played you recordings of my first fucking songs, you'd be like, oh, this guy can barely sing. And the way I sound now when I sing is completely fucking different. But I knew I had a voice. And I'm not fucking clairvoyant. (laughs) I just had a strong sense. I was like, dude, if I stick with this, I know I have a fucking voice. I know I have something to say. Now, I think people like my voice better than they actually like my songs. Like, the quality of my voice is what people... Like, I feel like if people didn't like my music, if they had to find something nice to say about me, they'd say, oh, well, at least he has a good voice. Dude, I remember when I was a kid doing theater. (laughs) I remember these two girls. I was doing this musical Cinderella, and I was fucking Prince Charming. And these girls literally... These two girls came up to me during rehearsals one time, and I don't fucking know why they fucking did this, but we were on some sort of break, and these two girls come up to me and explain to me that I sound like a frog when I sing. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, thanks thanks for the feedback. Dude, I was like fucking 11 or something. Oh, okay. And dude, I took voice lessons for like, Dude, when you're young, things feel like fucking forever, and then you look back and you go, oh, that was six months. Dude, now my life is like that scene in the movie where the pages of the calendar are just fucking falling off. Like, time is just fucking sand through a fucking hourglass. Dude, it's October now. September blinked and it went by. I've had chapters in my life where I go, oh, especially living in a college town, you're like, oh, people, oh, that was four years ago. Some people have literally begun. Me and my girlfriend have been together for three years. That's almost the amount of time of somebody starting their college undergraduate career and fucking graduating. That's fucking crazy. Because when I was in fucking seventh grade with Miss Pickerel, who was reading the Bible while driving us to the fucking desert museum, that shit felt like an eternity. Sixth grade was a fucking lifetime. Seventh grade was a fucking lifetime. Eighth grade was a fucking lifetime. Dude, when you're an adult, it's all the fucking same. And time just fucking slips out of your fucking hands, dude. It's crazy how that happens. And it's the kind of fucking thing adults tell you your whole life. Well, you better be careful, because when you reach a certain age, time just starts slipping away. It is so fucking true. Like, I used to watch stand-up comedians and just be like, how is this shit funny? You know, when they're saying shit like, oh, 35, my body's not the way it used to be. Or fucking, I always think like, oh, your hair leaves your head, it grows everywhere else. Dude, that's fucking true. That's 100% fucking true. I look at myself in the mirror all the goddamn time, and I go, wow, I have a chia pet growing out of my nostrils now. Oh, or it's like, oh, I have a fuzzy succulent growing out of my fucking ear. Dude, I have so much ear hair and nose hair. And now it's like, welcome to back hair. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm losing all the hair on my head and it's fucking growing everywhere else. 
is it a hacky comedic concept? Sure. But dude, it's fucking true. And time is that way too. Time will slip away from you. Every year is a fucking lifetime when you're growing up. And then you hit 24 and it's just like someone hits the fucking fast forward button on life. It's crazy. And the weirdest part is you feel the same. I mean, I, I mean, I, I feel a tangible difference in my headspace and my quality of life. I mean, one thing I always think about when I think about younger people, and this is part of it, and this is another one of those fucking platitudes that older people tell you. Young people think they know everything. And what you want to explain to them is you have no idea what your headspace will feel like in 10 years. You will literally be on intellectually, and I, and I don't know how to describe this. I, I literally mean the architecture that your thoughts exist in, the scope of your thinking, you, you literally can't anticipate it. You, you just have no sense what 34 is going to feel like. When you're 15, you don't know what your early 20s feels like. When you're in your early 20s, you have no idea what your 30s feel like. And I, I'm sure I have no sense what 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, you know, if I'm blessed long enough to live those years, will feel like. But it's not what you anticipate. At the same time, though, you know, there's that everywhere you go, there you are. There's a strong sense of you're always the same. So you're getting older. You're feeling your body change. You're feeling your, even the realm or the scope of your thinking change, but you're seeing the world change around you and you kind of feel it pulling away. You know, you don't understand the younger generation and they don't give a fuck about you and you think, oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, why am I not relevant anymore, dude? Like, I have moments all the time where I'll make some sort of reference that I think everyone should understand, and nobody has any fucking clue what I'm thinking, what I'm talking about. Like, at work, someone was talking about, oh, would you rather freeze to death or burn to death, or something like that, and this person said, oh, I'd rather freeze to, th- freeze to death so they can thaw me out in a, in a future generation. And I was like, oh, like Encino Man. And everybody was looking at me like, uh-huh, huh Dude, if you don't know Encino Man, oh, dude, even my girlfriend, well, I don't know. I, dude, first of all, I don't think most people were raised in front of movies and television the way I, I was, so I, I'm not faulting my girlfriend. But literally the other day, we were somewhere, and I was like, we's in the juice. She had no idea what I was talking about. Do you guys know Polly Shore? Do you guys know Encino Man? Do you know we's in the juice? I don't know. We were at like some bar or something and she was talking about sampling the drinks and I was like, oh, you should just fucking go back there and wheeze the juice. And she was like, what? And I was like, you know, wheezing the juice. You should just fucking wheeze the juice. She had no fucking clue what I was talking about. And of course, I tried to explain it. I tried to explain the concept of Encino Man and Polly Shore's character and, you know, going to the 7-Eleven or whatever and fucking literally wheezing the juice out of the fucking Slurpee machine. <clears throat> and she was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, okay. But yeah, dude, watch it. You'll be fucking in your early 30s and you'll be referencing whatever shit movie you're watching now and people are going to have no fucking clue. Here. It's like, people would say, like, I guess for me, like the generation after me was like, High School Musical. And I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Or Saved by the Bell. I was talking with someone through work and they were talking about, oh, like, oh, after, I'm, I'm just going to fucking watch some DuckTales. And I was like, well, how the fuck do you know DuckTales? 
And she was like, oh, they, they remade it. And I was like, oh, shit. And she was like, oh, yeah, and they're fucking re-airing Darkwing Duck. And I was like, how the fuck do you know Darkwing Duck? Dude, when I came home from school every day, it was like a fucking... Dude, I swear to God, I must have watched like three to four hours of fucking TV every day when I got home. Because I just remember back to back, it was fucking Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, DuckTales. Dude, what's up with all the ducks anyway? Chippendale Rescue Rangers and Saved by the Bell? Dude, there may have been another fucking show in there somewhere too, but that was like the fucking... They would have like two episodes of Darkwing Duck, two episodes of fucking Tailspin, two episodes of DuckTales, an hour of Say by the Bell. Fucking crazy. And then it was time for dinner, and then it was time, time to go to bed. Because you know when you're young, your bedtime's like 7 or 8 o'clock? That's fucking crazy. Because your parents want like two hours by themselves to fucking do nothing or watch the fucking Letterman monologue before going to bed. <laughs> <clears throat> fucking hell man yeah it's weird it's it's like you're there's also this thing too like when you're about the time you turn 30 everything you liked is going to become retro you know and people are going to be like how like i don't know people will start referencing shit you're like how do you even know about that but i think it's i think there's some sort of correlation between like the the 30 year old generation like they want one last look at their popular culture or they want to have one last look at the things that made them who they are before they disappear forever like i remember Dude, like, when I was in middle school, like, bell-bottoms were fucking coming back. Bell-bottom jeans and, like, that sort of 60s, 70s look. Do you know what I'm saying? And we just recently had a whole fucking 80s thing, like, in the mid-2000s, like, 2010-ish. And now the fucking 90s are coming back. And you know what's going to be retro next? The fucking early 2000s. But, dude, it's crazy. It's like, when, when I was growing up, people were talking about Nixon and Vietnam and JFK being assassinated. And you're like oh, that just sounds like shit, you know, just like shit in the zeitgeist that you've heard about, but you don't really understand. When that shit starts happening to you, when you start talking about things like 9-11, and people are like, yeah, I don't know, I was like one. You're like, holy fucking shit. Like, we watch movies where people smoke on airplanes, and we're like, what the fuck? But now, like, movies that I grew up with, like, every romantic comedy or, like, teen romantic comedy ended with somebody who was boarding a plane and someone, like, runs up to the gate, you know, to, like, catch them before they go. And it's like, that looks fucking insane, because in a post-9-11 world, you can't fucking go to the gate. No fucking way. You would have been tackled by security or fucking gunned down. You know what I'm saying? They would have sicked the fucking canine unit on you. They would have tased you, bro. <laughs> don't tase me bro don't tase me <laughs> does anyone remember that shit man oh man anyway dude welcome to my grumpy man ted talk oh dude that's another one i fucking hate dude that's another internet speak thing i fucking hate people saying well thank you thanks for coming to my ted talk it's like i shut the fuck up shut the fuck up Oh, shit, my music's playing me out. Here, let me turn it down real quick. Yeah, technically I'm supposed to be uh, wrapping up here. Um, What's to be said? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we will kill it at this point. Um, I don't know what we've learned on this episode. Um, This may just be one for the books, you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, 
Thanks for listening. If you know someone who you think would like this podcast, just think of one person. You know, we don't need everybody. We just need people who enjoy this. So if you, if you know one person in your life who you think would enjoy this podcast, share it with them. Send them a link. Send them your favorite episode. Probably won't be this one, but send them an episode that you really enjoy. Uh, all my socials, you can find me at this is MXOXO. Uh, not really a fan of Twitter, but I like Instagram, and uh, you can find me on Facebook and all that stuff. Otherwise, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast. We're in Apple Podcasts now, uh, um, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Otherwise, um, stay tuned for more. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Ciao for now. <laughs>